16th of January, and on a snowy and cold morning for many of you, let's pray together in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, you created the heavens and the earth and all they contain. Reveal to all who seek you the beauty of your presence there. You dwell in light inaccessible. Deepen our hunger to know you, the one true God. You make manifest your redeeming love in word and sacrament. Make of us, your people, a credible sign of your presence and work. O God of light and glory, you are the beauty we seek, the power to whom we entrust ourselves, the love for whom we hunger and thirst. Make yourself known to all people through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. It is a better way to start a Tuesday morning, the Sunrise Morning Show, here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Glad you're waking up with us, and a special shout-out as always, especially during weather conditions like this, to those of you who've been up all night at work and are tuning in on your way home, or hopefully on your way home fairly soon. I'm Matt Swain, Anna Mitchell has news, Paul Lockman at the controls, Travis has a video feed up and running for us. You can see it in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. We'll check in with Father Boniface Hicks for more thoughts on personal prayer. Marlon De La Torre will be join, uh, joining us also from the Diocese of Columbus. We'll check in with Father Michael Rossman, who's part of a new Ignatian Spirituality app. Uh, looks kind of cool, and we'll uh, discuss that with him. And then Liz Lev is going to join us because there are a few interesting saints on the calendar today. One of them is St. Priscilla. And uh, there's some catacombs related to St. Priscilla that Liz Lev is going to tell us about. So stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Donald Trump is celebrating after winning the Iowa caucuses yesterday. Speaking in Des Moines, the former president said now is a time for the country to come together. Trump easily won the Iowa caucuses in the first major test of the Republican primary race. Vivek Ramaswamy is now dropping out of the race for president. Mark Mayfield has more. Ramaswamy suspended his bid after a disappointing showing in the Iowa caucus, deciding to endorse former President Trump after polling a distant fourth. He told supporters in Iowa Monday that there were two America First candidates and that he called Trump earlier in the evening to congratulate and endorse him. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem has visited Pope Francis in Rome for talks about the situation in the Holy Land and the Middle East. Vatican News reports Cardinal Pierre Battista Pizzaballo spoke to journalists after the meeting, saying they specifically discussed the humanitarian situation of the Christian community in Gaza and in the Holy Land more generally. He said that he remains in touch with the one Catholic parish in the north of Gaza, saying, quote, Military operations have moved further south, but it remains an area where there is nothing. There are no houses. There is no water. There is no electricity. There is nothing. He said it is a situation of extreme poverty and there are no institutions present, end quote. 
Pope Francis yesterday addressed members of the Studium Biblicum Franciscana, telling them their work is more precious than ever. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. In primo luogo, il fatto che lo Studium, con la sua biblioteca e il museo, The first the Pope began is a fact that the studium, with its library and museums, has given and continues to give impetus to important archaeological excavations in various sites, making valuable finds, determining your peculiarity of combining the study of sacred scripture with a stay in the Holy Land places and archaeological research. The Holy Father noted that the members' love for the biblical text is one founded in the same will of St. Francis. For Francis, knowledge of the Word of God and even its study are not matters of mere erudition, but experiences of a sapiential nature, whose purpose in faith is to help people live the gospel better and to make them good, explained the Pope. In occasion del vostro centenario, on the occasion of your centenary, the Pope continued, I urge you not to lose sight of this kind of approach to Scripture. Bringing then his discourse to a close, Pope Francis invited all those present to listen and know better his word, to make it resound in the world in an ever more comprehensible manner, as your discreet and passionate work is more precious than ever. Finally, Pope Francis prayed for the Holy Land where the studium is located. He acknowledged how the current situation of the Holy Land and the peoples who inhabit it involves us and pains us, before asking that we pray and act tirelessly for this tragedy to cease. I am Francesca Merlo. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin is out of the hospital and recovering. The Pentagon said he was released from Walter Reed National Military Medical Center yesterday. He was admitted to the hospital two weeks ago due to complications from prostate cancer surgery. He will work remotely for a period of time while having what they say is full access to secure communications capabilities. The Pentagon did not disclose Austin had been hospitalized until days after he had been admitted. And the divisional round matchups in the NFL playoffs have been set following the conclusion of Monday's wild card games. The Bills cruised to a 31-17 win over the Pittsburgh Steelers in Orchard Park to advance. Buffalo will now host the defending champion Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. Meanwhile, the Buccaneers crushed the Eagles in a matchup that Matt called, I believe, 32-9 in Tampa. The Bucks will now battle the Lions in Detroit on Sunday afternoon. You called that one, right, Matt? Well, no, I don't. Did I call it on the air? I think I called oh, it to it Paul Lockman privately. I'm I, I did call sorry, Paul. Paul. I got Paul. every okay. So I got every pick right except for one out of this round of the playoffs. And you didn't mention any of them. I didn't mention any of them. Okay, it was you no. Know, I don't Lockman. because then people get mad at me. I'm sorry. I totally misquoted. Paul Lockman made that prediction that the Buccaneers were going to be his big underdog. Well, I. I I, so. I predicted it off air, but again, well, I have I no proof of that. Things. You didn't say anything to me, so. Paul. Give her a thumbs up. Did I predict this? Did I say Baker Mayfield's going to? He's like, ah, eh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> Paul. You know, Paul told me off the air. He's like, you know, the Bucks have won one recently. I said, yeah. I said, yeah, but that was with Tom Brady, and Baker Mayfield has not won anything like this in his life. Yeah. Right? Well, so different stakes. Yeah. Different guys I have in the mix. My... I have my opinions about Baker Mayfield, of course. Of course you do. As a Buccaneers Consolation, fan. by the way, to our uh, listeners on Holy Spirit Radio. They've got uh, transmitters around Coatesville, Chester County, 
mm-hmm. Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Even uh, I'm told by David Parker, their signal reaches into certain parts of Delaware and Maryland where mm-hmm. the Eagles fandom expands into. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm just hoping they have a better morning after uh, after rough night last night for uh, Eagles country. It'll yep. work out. You'll be back. You'll be back, Eagles. It is eight minutes past the hour. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Boniface Hicks, and he is the author of a book called Personal Prayer, A Guide to Receiving the Father's Love. And uh, Father Boniface, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Great to be with you. I'm realizing you're in Steelers country as well, so probably a rough morning for you, but I don't know if the monks watch uh, you know, the playoffs. I have no idea if you guys are following the NFL. Well, that's a little complicated, Matt. You see, the Steelers actually practice at St. Vincent. So what? Our, uh, our, some of our monks are quite avid Steelers fans, um, but I have to say I, I was not watching the playoff game. <laughs> well, maybe uh, you'll have some, some added uh, opportunities for, uh, for spiritual consolation over these next few weeks <laughs> in the offseason when they come back there for more practices. But uh, we've been talking about... Uh, prayer and and the various aspects that it, it bears fruit in our lives, and you talk about prayer being an abiding, transformative union. Now, those are three uh, loaded words, but when we talk about prayer as abiding, uh, what do we mean by this? Yeah, so a lot of times when we start out our our prayer lives, we think, um, "Did you pray?" and and that means I said a Hail Mary or an Our Father or a Rosary or some kind of concrete expression of prayer, something that I, I did, accomplished, completed. But, but really prayer is a, about a relationship with God. And as Jesus invites us, um, we just had the Gospel uh, a day or two ago, I guess, the, uh, to when the apostles say, where, Master, where are you abiding? He says, come and see, and then they abided with him that day. So to remain with somebody, to abide in somebody, likewise, Jesus, when he talks about the vine and the branches, says, abide in me as I abide in you. So it's, a, it's an ongoing, constant uh, being together that's, that's very different from saying a prayer. And, and that's really what we're, we're aiming at. It's even deeper in that case than any other relationship, because every other relationship is uh, bounded by skin, you might say. Uh, we're always on the outside of each other, even if by our intentionality, our intimacy, our self-revelation, our um, sharing of our hearts, we are more inside uh, one person, or they are more inside us, than uh, another person, and there, there can develop a, a certain kind of abiding between two human beings in very deep relationship, and certainly married couples would, would aim for that kind of thing, deep friendships. But, um, but with the Lord, He really lives in us, and we can really remain and live in Him. And so, so yeah, abiding is, uh, is, is one descriptor as, uh, of of what we're aiming at for prayer, the depths of, of friendship that we were aiming for with the Lord. You know, this hits a little bit different uh, depending on when in the year you're talking about it, and a lot of people have been snowed in lately, and I don't know uh, how many of our listeners have gotten snow days. 
uh, on the calendar. And I can tell you that uh, my family and I all abide in the same abode, right? We all live in the same (laughs) house. Uh, We come and go to school and work and the grocery store and church and practices and all these other things. But when you're sort of like snowed in and it's not even enough good snow to actually kind of play in quite yet and you're just in there. Uh, It's a different sort of dynamic when you are occupying the same space all the time. You have to sort of figure out a new sort of method of being (laughs) as opposed to that (laughs) sort of transitional kind of life where we're like, ah, we'll get together for dinner. You know, I mean, it's a different sort of thing to have that like truly abiding, ongoing, constant relationship. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great description. And even in that space, we tend to, uh, even if there's limited space, we tend to find our own space and and find ways to, yeah, uh, to separate corners, keep a little bit of distance. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, when it comes to this idea of abiding, I I find it fascinating that you know you mentioned the gospel from this past week where the uh, you know the disciples Andrew uh, among them says, "Lord, where are you staying?" Is sometimes how we see it translated. Or you talked about uh, the vine and the branches. So often uh, we hear that translated, "Remain in me." and I will remain in you, uh, when that word can also be abide in both of those places. And uh, we find in in both the case of the disciples who followed Jesus home and the case of a vine connected to branches that it's not just a static thing. Like, people are changed by this, right? And when you say this this change, this transformative union, like, how should this, how should we be uh, understanding the way this should manifest in our lives? Well, the, the fundamental thing that's always important to remember is, uh, is charity. God is love, and, and we're talking about transformation into holiness. Holiness is being like God, who is love. So what we're talking about being transformed into is into greater and greater charity, charity which is uh, a self-forgetfulness and a self-gift. Uh, an attentiveness to the other and a, and a, uh, a willingness to, to give, also an openness to receive, a letting ourselves be loved. We're being brought up into the very dynamic of the Trinity, the Father, the way that the Father loves the Son and the Son receives the Father's love and returns that love in uh, a, a relationship of, of mutual abiding love. So that transformation into God is another way to say it. We can talk about divinization, that we are uh, made to be like Him. And and in heaven we will be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. But this is part of the process towards that final end, when we are able to truly be like Him, totally transparent, totally available. So, um, yeah, there is a, a transforming power that happens through our lives of prayer, through our abiding with Him, that is uh, a part of the yeah, part of the goal of our prayer life. Well, it's great stuff, and we appreciate you, Father Boniface Hicks, and uh, the the really great way you've broken some of this down in your book, Personal Prayer, A Guide to Receiving the Father's Love. Thank you. Have a wonderful day, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, you too, Matt. Thanks so much. You take it easy on those Steelers. <laughs> Do our best. <laughs> they, had a, they had a rough weekend, although they had a surprising run into the playoffs. Uh, they didn't even know they were going to make it, so... I'm sure they're just grateful for the opportunity on someone. We're back with headlines right after this. It's a quarter past.
Do you feel as though life is flying past you? Are you desperate for a way to find moments of peace and quiet? Lord, teach me to pray. The free Ignatian prayer series will open your heart to his voice, to the peace you're seeking, and the only love that fulfills the human heart, Jesus. God is calling you to true joy, knowing Jesus personally. Lord, Teach Me to Pray is free. Just go to lordteachmetopray.com and click on the red box. That's lordteachmetopray.com. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Discover the beauty, truth, and goodness of the church. With the EWTN online learning series, you can delve into the riches of the faith and grow closer to the Lord with free videos and study guides. Enroll in the EWTN online learning series free courses today at learningseries.ewtn.com. Seventeen minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with headlines. Donald Trump is celebrating after winning the Iowa caucuses yesterday. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem has visited Pope Francis in Rome for talks about the situation in the Holy Land and in the Middle East. And the Vatican has sent a telegram on behalf of the Holy Father offering his condolences for a deadly landslide in Colombia. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And we are praying for you wherever you are, hit by whatever weather. I don't know what it's like for you, Anna Mitchell. Uh, we it's snow day. frigid. Snow day around here. I talked to some of my oh, is colleagues it a snow in day? Texas. Who, oh, yeah, it's a snow day. Neat. We didn't, it's, we have like a, a dusting this morning. I walked outside and saw like snow kind of blowing around a little bit, but nothing significant. You ever take out a stretch. dog at four o'clock in the morning in the snow no. and try and get it to actually pay attention to what it's supposed to be doing when no. all it wants to do is play in the snow? No, I have, ch- I, have I children. I have children. I I don't be do grateful. Dogs. You don't have to take your children outside for them to go to the bathroom. Yeah, so. oh, although you could. Gosh. I mean, no, be an interesting parental no, exercise. that's that's really okay. Yeah, not no. this time of year. No, not this time of year. Uh, but you know, I. I think about a lot of different kinds of things and people who are struggling this this time of year. Uh, if you have a St. Vincent de Paul Society in your area or other Catholic charities, mm-hmm. outreaches, um, this is a great time to see what their needs are because they get hit with a lot of them. There are a lot of people who have vehicular issues this time of year, mm-hmm. and nothing is worse if you're having like kind of an on-the-edge financial situation and then something bad happens to your car. Yeah. So... Um, 
And, you know, parishes, it would be wonderful if those were more of a place where people could say, uh, here's a need in our community. Here's someone who is, uh, we don't know how they're doing, and they probably can't shovel their own walk. Uh, let's put the youth group on this. <laughs> you yeah. know, have a well. I mean, you know, shoveling tree. Many parishes have their local St. Vincent de Paul absolutely group chapters. that uh, that will go and make home visits to their actual neighbors to help them. So neighbors helping neighbors. Exactly. So you know, it's just a matter of calling up, calling up the parish and asking for the St. Vincent de Paul folks, and you know whether it's. I need help paying my heating bill this month, or which I know, um, at least here locally, St. Vincent de Paul has been tapped out in that regard with heating bills and, and other energy type bills. It's yep. uh, it's a hard time of year. Yeah, for if sure. you're a stir crazy kid on a snow day, just go shovel over by his driveway. Get that energy out. Yeah, really, man. Help him out. It's 21 past. Starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. This is Father Rob Jack with the Heart of St. Paul. When we think about the mystery of God and redemption, sometimes the answers seem a little complicated. St. Paul, however, keeps reminding us that the gospel of Jesus Christ and our redemption is very simple. He says this, The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. In other words, sinners could not reconcile themselves to God. Only God could do this. And so he sent his only begotten Son as our Savior to bind us to him in a new and everlasting covenant. Who are the sinners then? St. Paul tells us that he was the first and foremost of sinners, but he was given mercy by Jesus for an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Like St. Paul, Jesus has shown us his mercy so that we too can be an example for those who were to believe in Christ for eternal life. If you or I were the only persons who had ever sinned, Jesus would have come for us and died for us alone. He desires that we have this life, and Paul's joy in sharing this life motivates him to tell others about the mercy of God and to repent from their sins. To be a Christian, we must admit that we are sinners, but God in his great mercy gives us his Son, so that the sin that separates us will be replaced by the grace that makes us his children. And this is what comes from the heart of St. Paul. It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Marlandea Dea Latore is back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show, Senior Director of the Department of Evangelization for the Diocese of Columbus. He writes at knowingisdoing.org. Good morning, Marlon. Go Bucks. Good morning, Annie. Go Bucks. So we are talking today about God's love and mercy. And I think mm. the foundational question for this conversation, mm. Marlon, is why? Because when I'm rejected 
by someone, mm. my reaction to that would be like, well, mm. good riddance. I wash my sure. hands of you. I'm done with you, man. Mm. So after the fall of Adam and Eve, why did God decide to spring into action immediately for man's salvation? It's a great question. I think when you look at that that Genesis three fifteen uh, passage, and you have yeah. to ask yourself, wh- why would God, uh, again, in His infinite goodness, decide? Okay, you've completely rejected me and embraced a life contrary to who I am. Uh, I will give you another opportunity, but yet it will be a very arduous opportunity. And so I think that the key is the infinite goodness of God. Um, he does not make something an error. And I think that's an important point for any listener, that anything that he does, that he is the epitome of all that is good, all knowing, all loving, and encompasses everything that that he is, because he is, he is I am. And I think because of that very fact, he would not in any way contradict who he is, that that would be absurd. And so when he brings something of his image and likeness, that is not a contradiction. So that gift has to be resuscitated. It has to be cured. It has to be given another opportunity because he is infinitely love. And because of that very fact, he looks at Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve must wonder why we, we, we completely rejected you. But what God tells them I mean, if, if we look at this whole beautiful passage, you know what, I love you. And he says that by saying, I will either put enmity between you and the woman. Well, that's a sign of love, meaning that you're not destroyed, but you will suffer in my name. Mm-hmm. You will carry this forth uh, with you because of the, the pain that you've caused yourself. I did not cause you this pain. And because of that, I still love you. And I think there's a lot in that passage that we have to unpack from a hermeneutic position, meaning that, look, he's saying, I could have destroyed you, but I didn't. I love you. You bear my image. I will protect you. But here's the way it goes. Yeah. And I think that's that's just a beautiful way of, of, of our of our father taking care of us. I mean, uh, just a case in point, something that I find so fascinating in this passage in Genesis chapter 3 or verses uh, 22 and following where it mm. says, Behold, the Lord God said, or mm. so, then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us knowing good and evil, and now lest he put forth his hand and also take of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and the flaming sword and all of that so that they would not eat from the tree of life and live forever in a state of uh, total separation from God. It's no, incredible, it, an incredible move by God there. It, it is. And if you take the time to really digest that, he's all right, I will arm you with the ability to sustain yourself, but it's going to take time. And I will bring you someone who will bring true, authentic justice mm. in my name. And, and I think that's the other key of, about his loving goodness is like, look, I, I love you. However, at the same time, I will bring someone who will bring to fulfillment what you lost. And, and this becomes yeah. the key uh, of how much he truly loves us. And he says, you will see him as you see me. Mm-hmm. So we see this, this beautiful interplay when, when we jump to John's gospel. Behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. It's a reference to Isaiah 53. So you see this whole beautiful promise that God makes for us that he will resuscitate us, but through this way, through this vein of life. And my goodness, that, that's just wonderful. Once you embrace it well, it's fantastic. 
to see. Yeah. And uh, I mean, is it just like, okay, here's Adam and Eve, here's the promise, and then God just goes and hides out for a while until the incarnation? Or, mm-hmm. you know, how do we see God working through all of those generations pointing us toward the incarnation? And, and that's the distinction there. So when you look at Abraham and we look at the the whole interplay between him and Isaac and, and the primordial sacrifice, when you look at the fact of Jacob becoming Israel, when you look at this whole interplay of Moses or even the Passover meal, or you, you jump ahead if you want to look at Isaiah or if you want to look at 1 Samuel and, and this whole interplay of dialogue, there is a message that's always being presented. There is a premise behind uh, God's uh, love and the fact that he's saying, look, here I am follow me. And so he lays this pathway to the ultimate I am, meaning that his son, Jesus Christ, who assumed body and soul, who assumed a human nature, who said, whoever sees, and God tells the apostles in John 14, if you see him, you see me. Now you know why I came, why I love you, why I want you to come back home. And the distinction is that, that Christ opens the gates of heaven. And, and that's the key for us, that he does not want to separate it from him. Yeah. Well, it's kind of nice to have the gift of the fullness of revelation, Marlon, but man, are mm. we just as difficult as all of those generations when it comes to accepting this gift that is God's love and mercy. But that's a whole other yeah. conversation for us to have at another time. In the meantime, encourage folks to go check out your post on this over at Knowing isdoing.org, which listeners, you can find linked in our show notes for today at sonrisemorningshow.com. Marlon, really appreciate the conversation. Thank you so much and go Bucks. Appreciate it, Annie. Always go Bucks. And you can, of course, find all of our guests linked on a daily basis at sonrisemorningshow.com. Be sure to hit subscribe, get it in your inbox. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Donald Trump is celebrating after winning the Iowa caucuses yesterday. Speaking in Des Moines, the former president said now is the time for the country to come together. He easily won the Iowa caucuses in the first major test of the Republican primary race ahead of the 2024 general election. Vivek Ramaswamy is dropping out of the race for president now. Mark Mayfield has more. Ramaswamy suspended his bid after a disappointing showing in the Iowa caucus, deciding to endorse former President Trump after polling a distant fourth. He told supporters in Iowa Monday that there were two America First candidates and that he called Trump earlier in the evening to congratulate and endorse him. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem has visited Pope Francis in Rome for talks about the situation in the Holy Land and in the Middle East. Vatican News reports Cardinal Pierre Battista Pizzaballa spoke to journalists after the meeting, saying they specifically discussed the humanitarian situation of the Christian community in Gaza and the Holy Land more generally. He said he remains in touch with the one Catholic parish in the north of Gaza. He said military operations have moved further south, but it, quote, remains an area where there is nothing. There are no houses. There is no water. There is no electricity. There is nothing. It is a situation of extreme poverty, and there are no institutions present, end quote. Pope Francis has offered his condolences and prayers in the wake of a tragic mudslide. From Vatican Radio, Joseph Tullock reports. Pope Francis has offered his, quote, fervent prayers for the eternal repose of those who died in the mudslide in Western Colombia. 
In a telegram addressed to Bishop Mario de Jesus Alvarez Gomez, the apostolic administrator of the region in which the landslide occurred, the Pope asked God to grant consolation to the bereaved and to all those who are suffering, he said, in these moments of uncertainty. The Pope also prayed that God might sustain with his grace all those who are committed to the search for those who have disappeared. The telegram concludes with the Pope's prayer that the Most Holy Virgin Mary might intercede with her Son Jesus Christ for all those affected by this catastrophe. During his weekly Angelus address on Sunday, Pope Francis also recalled the victims of the mudslide. Non dimentichiamo di pregare per le vittime della frana avvenuta in Colombia che ha provocato numerose vittime. Let us not forget to pray for the victims of the landslide in Colombia, which has claimed many victims. The death toll from the disaster has now risen to 34. The landslide struck on Friday on a busy road in a mountainous area connecting the cities of Quibdó and Medellín in the west of the country. Colombia's National Disaster Risk Management Unit initially said in a statement that at least 18 people were killed. The statement added that at least 35 injured people were taken to hospital. The new death toll was reported on Saturday by the Chocó Governor's Office and confirmed by the Office of the Prosecutor. President Gustavo Petro said on Friday that his government would provide all necessary support, describing the event as a horrible tragedy. I'm Joseph Tullock. Pope Francis has reaffirmed, quote, the Lord blesses everyone, as he responded to a question from a TV news channel about the recent declaration on blessings for same people in same-sex relationships and other irregular relationships. The Holy Father said, quote, we must take these people by the hand, not condemn them from the start. This is the pastoral work of the church, he said, an important task for confessors who are called to forgive everything. Boeing is taking a hard look at quality control after a door plug blew open on an Alaska Airlines flight. Brian Shook reports. The company is planning additional inspections for its 737 MAX planes. In an email to employees, CEO of Boeing's commercial airplanes division, Stan Deal, said he'll bring in an outside party to make an assessment on the quality management system. He also wrote that Boeing has been trying to improve its layers of protection in recent years, but the recent incident makes it clear the manufacturer is not where we need to be. I'm Brian Shook. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin is now out of the hospital and recovering. The Pentagon said he was released from Walter Reed yesterday. Austin had been admitted to the hospital two weeks ago due to a complication from prostate cancer surgery. He will work remotely, according to the Pentagon, for a period of time while still having full access to secure communications capabilities. The Pentagon did not disclose that Austin had been hospitalized until days after he had been admitted. That's the news. It's 35 minutes past. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. 
Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. The Baltimore Catechism asks, Who is the invisible head of the church? Jesus Christ is the invisible head of the church. By head of the church, we mean that there is a relationship between a biological head and a biological body and the figurative head of an organization and all the people underneath it. The biological head is the seat of rationality, that whereby will and intellect decide and thereby guide the rest of the body. When our Lord wished to establish his church, he came from heaven and he set Peter in his place to be the visible head of this body. The Bishop of Rome, the Pope, he is the vicar of Christ on earth and thereby he leads the rest of the body of Christ just as Christ himself leads the church. And we can thank the Lord for giving us the Pope and the church so that we might thereby reach that place where Christ lives and reigns forever and ever. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. The Sunrise Morning Show continues, and some of you have your phones loaded with all kinds of very dumb and useless apps uh, and would like to perhaps replace them with some things that are a little bit more fruitful and better uses of your time. Well, fortunately, uh, we get to talk about an Ignatian prayer app this morning with Father Michael Rossman. Uh, You could find this app at cloistersignationprayer.org. Father Rossman, good morning. Good morning. Good to be with you. So how do you get Ignatian prayer into an app? Because there's a lot of apps that help you pray like the you know, Divine Mercy Chaplet or the Rosary or Scripture Reflections and some other things. How is this sort of like a uniquely Ignatian project? Yeah, so this is a digital retreat. So this app, which is also a website, includes a series of substantive videos followed by prayers and Scripture passages and reflection questions such that a person can make a retreat from the comfort of his or her own home and on his or her own schedule. So this uh, app and website shares the gift of the spiritual exercises, this method of retreat developed by St. Ignatius of Loyola, which is a gift for the church. So I, uh, back in the day when this thing mm-hmm. was really just starting to, to get rolling, and Annie makes fun of me because I even wrote a a book about prayer in the digital age. And one of the things that I actually did there at the very beginning was I started to put uh, like push notifications in my own phone, like set alarms for the daily exam. Now I've been terrible about that, <laughs> but I was trying to do it with like no help. I was just trying to like do it sort of creatively with my own like you sure. know, Android first gen phone. But uh, how, how much has this, uh, you know, kind of development of technology really allowed you to take some of these retreat things, these uh, Ignatian spirituality, the daily exam, and all that kind of stuff, and sort of put it in a much more easy-to-use form. 
Yes, yeah, that's a great question. And no, there's certainly a value in kind of making one's own notifications and reminders and so forth. But uh, no, this this retreat that has been developed um, really is quite something. You know, so many people perhaps would love to you know make a retreat, but it just may not be you know logistically possible. People have busy schedules. Not everyone can get away for you know a weekend, let alone 30 days. But probably each one of us can carve out some time uh, on a regular basis, perhaps on a daily or weekly basis, to you know set aside time for for prayer. And uh, this is a really good way of of doing that. That one can kind of have a, a taste and experience of the the spiritual exercises, which is a method of retreat that really tries to facilitate a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. But kind of through the gift of technology, we can do this um, even if we can't, uh, you know, necessarily get away for uh, for a retreat somewhere. So I was going to ask you if this is free, and uh, you know, then I I looked up to see how much the the uh, the annual fee is per month, uh, and it's only like five bucks a month. And I'm thinking, come on, man, <laughs> anybody can do five dollars a month. There are people who are going to be spending five dollars a day on coffee yeah, exactly this yeah and, so this is and, really easy and one thing that into. is one thing that's really helpful too is that the first um the first lesson the first uh video and so forth is available for free and so people can check out uh, the website or the app that's cloisters ignatian prayer and they can get a taste of it for themselves and uh and really see if uh this could be a fruitful addition to one's spiritual life. All right, so I have another kind of question, because as some of these apps have developed and, and come out, it's been fascinating to see that uh, on on some of the, you know, like the podcasts, like, you know, Father Schmidt's or the Hallow app, that sure. a lot of people are, are latching on to these and starting to realize, mm-hmm. wow, Catholics are Christians, and not only that, they actually have, like, a fairly interesting treasure trove of stuff, <laughs> right? I'm wondering if yeah. you are getting yeah. me non-Catholics who have expressed a little interest in this, because Ignatian spiritual exercises, I mean, if you're just like a a type A sort of Protestant businessman, you would be attracted to St. Ignatius. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and, and certainly in my own experience, um, preaching the spiritual exercises in different forms, you know, sharing some things online and then giving retreats in person, both kind of when I direct people on an individual level, but then when I also kind of preach the spiritual exercises to to large groups. Uh, I have had, yeah, many non-Catholic Christians who have really gotten into um, this form of making a retreat, uh, this form of prayer, you know, especially for some of our Protestant brothers and sisters who might know the Bible really well and could, you know, perhaps uh, at times teach some of us Catholics, too, uh, about that love for Scripture. This may be a way of praying with Scripture, with some of those gospel passages that might be quite familiar, but this might be a new way of entering in uh, to some of those those gospel scenes. And I certainly have found that uh, non-Catholics have really benefited from this form of prayer. So uh, last thing I want to ask you, since yeah. you and I are, uh, are both uh, on media platforms and probably one of the only reasons that you and I can 
you know, take for granted the opportunity to be Catholics talking on a media platform is because of groundbreakers like Bishop Sheen. Am I to understand you yes. have a curated library of Bishop Sheen stuff on this app? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so there are remastered videos of uh, of Fulton Sheen, and uh, oh, they're so they're so great to to see and you know to to, to listen to and so forth. Uh, yeah, he really was a a pioneer and an inspiration for. Uh, so many of us, whether we are involved in kind of media ministry or whether we're just, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> normal baptized people who want to grow in our spiritual lives, uh, uh, Fulton Sheen uh, has, uh, has really been a great witness. Well, it's a really cool-looking app, uh, and the idea of it focusing specifically on Ignatian prayer and that whole retreat idea and the exam and all these things, it's a really cool gift of of uh the wisdom and spirituality that that the church has kind of offered to us uh if our listeners want to get this app and get involved maybe do the free trial with perhaps an eye towards subscribing and diving in a little bit deeper uh what are the best ways to to check out both the app and the site yeah so you could visit the website at cloistersignationprayer.org or you could look for the app either on the Apple App Store or on Google Play. It's in both places. Search for Cloisters Ignatian Prayer. And it's even easier than that if you're a listener to the Sunrise Morning Show and know how to find our website, because if you go to sunrisemorningshow.com, we've got a link right there in the show notes to send you straight on over to the Cloisters Ignatian Prayer app. Uh, it's really pretty cool. Uh, Father Michael Rossman, Great. thank you so much for being with us this morning, and uh, hope it goes well. Great. Thanks so much. God bless. All right. Up next, Liz Lev joins us live from Rome to talk about St. Priscilla and some catacombs named for her. This is the Feast of St. Priscilla. It's a quarter till. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save, 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. One of the reasons we should go to Mass is because it is the food of the saints that we receive. And for the saints, they understood rightly that the time after Holy Communion, that those moments are the most precious moments of our lives. 
The Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, live from the EWTN Chapel, every morning, 8 Eastern, on EWTN Radio and Television. It's 13 till... Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Liz Lev, the art historian, guide to Rome and Italy, author of How Catholic Art Saved the Faith and The Silent Night. You can catch her online at elizabeth-lev.com or watch one of her uh, lectures at mastersgallerierome.com. Good morning, Liz. Good morning, Annie. How are you? And Happy New Year. Hey, it is good to have you back. Happy New Year to you. And we are going to be talking about St. Priscilla or Santa Priscilla. Is that how you pronounce it in Italian? Santa Priscilla? Santa Priscilla it is, yes. Yes. And the catacombs that are named for her, her feast day, is January 16th today. And, you know, given that there are catacombs named for her, Liz, I imagine that means that she was a member of the early church. What do we know about her life? Well, we actually, it's a very interesting and kind of mysterious question. We have many of these very important female figures, Domitila, uh, we have Sabina from Santa Sabina, and we also have Priscilla, these women who we understand to be a very important family. So, for example, Priscilla, we believe to belong to the Achille Glabriones family, who was a, it was a patrician family. And these women donated from a place of tremendous power. They were donating property to the Christians to allow them to be used either for worship spaces or, in the case of the catacombs of Priscilla, they were used for burial sites. Hmm. Well, very much in the uh, line of, of the women who supported Jesus and the apostles in the Gospels. And it was like Luke chapter 8, I think. So Exactly. Or, yeah. for example, we have a great many of these types of women helping out the Church or St. Jerome on the Aventine Hill mm-hmm. in Rome. Yes, it spread very quickly. Yes, absolutely. So, not that you aren't a great regular historian, Liz, but you are specifically an art historian. So why would we want to talk to an art historian about a burial site for Christians? What a terrific question. <laughs> um, that is because Santa Priscilla, I want to talk about a softball over the plate. Uh, <laughs> the Santa Priscilla is the catacomb that contains the oldest exemplars of Christian art in the world. It's an amazing, amazing space with frescoes inside the burial spaces that date back to maybe about 200 A.D. when the Christians first decided to use art. And it's got this incredible compendium. It's got a huge number of images, and it teaches us about the very first time the Christians tried to communicate through pictures. So this is kind of like the cave drawings of Christianity. Yes. <laughs> In a way. It is. It's the Lesco of Christianity. You're absolutely right. <laughs> so Never let's, thought of it that way. Well, hey, you know, now you can use that when you, when you take pilgrims <laughs> through Santa Priscilla's uh, catacombs. Uh, kind of interesting, I think. Um, maybe let's start with, with this when we, when we dive into to some of the specific images that you find on, on the walls and ceilings of this catacombs. You know, we today as Christians put a lot of emphasis on Christmas, on the Feast of the Nativity. But if, 
art in this catacomb is any indication, they put a lot of emphasis on on the epiphany. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, in in the West, in in the Western Church, the uh, Epiphany in many ways took precedence over the Nativity, because especially here in Rome, I mean, if you will, Gentile HQ, the Mm. idea of these three people, these these wise men, these magi, these seekers, essentially, who are able to find and to be able to come to Christ. And so it's a very, very important image, and the oldest one we have in the entire history of art is sitting in the catacombs of Santa Fusilla, and it's a remarkable image. It's amazing in its simplicity. I mean, after all, the fresco painters around 220 A.D., they were painting underground surrounded by dead bodies, so they probably were in a hurry. But it's painted against a, a simple background, so they really stand out as three silhouettes. So they've defined the number of the, the wise men in this image as three. Mm-hmm. They're moving. You see them silhouetted moving, so the one, one knee bent, the other one straight, to indicate a sort of a directionality, and they're directing towards the Christ child sitting on Mary's lap. And they're done in three colors. So one is one is green, one is white, one is red. No, it's not the colors of the Italian flag. Um, <laughs> but it's really meant to help us understand the sense of universality, Africa, Asia, Europe. When do you encounter Lord? When you're the Lord, when you're a child, when you're in midlife, the end of your life. So this idea of trying to catch a number that will capture the greatest number of people. And the beauty of it is they all wear these little pointed caps. You can see these strange little things on their heads, which are really meant to be symbols of the wise men or the magi magi as foreigners, as, as people who are not part of the original group, which is a very important message to the members of the Roman Empire, who clearly are not the elder brothers in the faith, but people who are coming from the outside. And the beauty of it is that in Rome, those pointed caps also were the indication of a freed slave. So you have these three wise men who come to Jesus, and they are free from the slavery of sin. So little, such a a small image, and so much to unpack. And Santa Priscilla is filled with images like this. That is incredible, and I hope that people are watching the video stream. Liz, we started video streaming the Sunrise Morning Show, and so we're putting up images as you are talking about them so that uh, folks can actually see what you are describing. And, you know, in in addition to this earliest depiction of, of the Epiphany, the visit of the Magi, this catacomb also holds um, one of the, or if not the oldest image of the Blessed Virgin Mary as well. Absolutely. It is the oldest image of the Madonna and child in the history of art. It's located in a very funny little corner of the catacomb where the graves are densely, densely packed. And the image is just one small loculus. That would be a little rectangular opening where a body would have been placed, almost like a shelf for a bus locker. Mm. And it's at the very top. And the indication of all these bodies close together, the, the, the painted fresco on the top, suggests that that was the tomb of a martyr. We don't know which martyr, we don't know who it is, but this very, very early tomb by some archaeologists, they believe it was made in 180, others take it to 200, others take it to 220, but this very, very, very early and exquisite image shows, turned to the side, a figure of what is either a prophet Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it could be Isaiah, it could be Prophet Balaam, it could be actually one wise man, 
and they're coming before the Madonna and Christ child. And while there's another image of a, of a woman with a baby in the, in the catacomb, the difference between that one where the child is turned towards the mother nursing while sitting on his lap, the one in this very special tomb has the Christ child turned away from his mother and looking out at the viewer. They're standing underneath a star, right? So the idea of this finding Christ through this this heavenly star, and then as we are looking for Christ, the beauty of this image is when you turn up towards it, Jesus was already looking for you. And what an amazing image of encounter, made 1,800 years ago. That is unbelievable, the theology that they managed to pack into these very simple images. And I, I'm just wondering, because we've only got like a minute before we've got to let you go here, Liz, but do you have uh, just one other favorite image from the catacomb that you would like to uh, tell us about? Yes, it's an image of a woman. It's uh, it's amazing to me that there's a whole cubiculum that celebrates, it's called the cubiculum of the velata, the veiled woman. Mm. And you see a woman, this is a large tomb, who's obviously a wealthy person, but the thing that is remarkable about it is you are looking at a woman who is standing in the center with her arms raised in thanksgiving being received up to heaven for what? On the left-hand side, you see her marriage. On the right-hand side, you see her child. This is a woman who was honored, celebrated, fulfilled her vocation by being a wife and a mother, glorified in this very early art, in this very special catacomb given by a woman. So beautiful. Go look up the catacombs of St. Priscilla and look at all of the images. There are plenty of pictures that you can find online of it. We've been talking to Liz Lebb, and you can find her linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Liz, thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day, Annie. You too. Thank you, Liz. All right, we got another hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up for most of our affiliates here on EWTN Radio. Arise, it's a new day. Hear his word. Let us pray. The Sunrise Morning Show. On this Tuesday, the 16th of January, let's begin by a prayer by using a prayer from St. Anselm of Canterbury. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. O Lord my God, teach my heart this day where and how to find you. You have made me and remade me, and you have bestowed on me all the good things I possess. And still I do not know you. I have not yet done that for which I was made. Teach me to seek you. For I cannot seek you unless you teach me, or find you unless you show yourself to me. Let me seek you in my desire. Let me desire you in my seeking. Let me find you by loving you, and let me love you when I find you. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. It is a better way to start a Tuesday morning, and since we talked about her last hour, I'm going to talk about him this hour. St. Priscilla, pray for us. St. Joseph Vaz, pray for us. That'll give you a clue of what you might have missed and what's coming up. And uh, in case you need a better clue, I'll just go ahead and let you know. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. We've got a video stream up and running at sunrisemorningshow.com in the show notes. Travis is in charge of that. We'll talk to Bethany Miola about a new book she's uh, put together with her husband called Life-Giving Wounds and uh, their work 
reaching out to adult children of divorce and broken relationships. It's a very powerful apostolate and uh, an extremely needed one. Dr. Matthew Bunsen will talk about St. Joseph Vaz, the apostle of Sri Lanka, on this, his feast day. Steve Ray will discuss visions and dreams in the Bible, and we'll look at the Office of Readings with Chris McGregor from Discerning Hearts. So lots to get to on a Tuesday morning, a snowy Tuesday morning for many of you. Right now it's two minutes past. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Donald Trump is coming off a commanding win in Monday's Iowa caucuses. Speaking in Des Moines last night, the former president said now is a time for the country to come together. Trump easily won the caucuses in the first major test of the Republican primary race, and victory is a first step toward a 2020 rematch between Trump and President Biden. Trump this week will head to New Hampshire ahead of New Hampshire's January 23rd presidential primary. Vivek Ramaswamy, meanwhile, is dropping out of the race for president. Mark Mayfield reports. Ramaswamy suspended his bid after a disappointing showing in the Iowa caucus, deciding to endorse former President Trump after polling a distant fourth. He told supporters in Iowa Monday that there were two America First candidates and that he called Trump earlier in the evening to congratulate and endorse him. I'm Mark Mayfield. Plunging temperatures are gripping much of the nation, with wintry weather responsible for at least six deaths. Four of those were in Oregon, while a snowmobiler in Utah was killed over the weekend and a Wyoming skier was killed by an avalanche. Around 150 million people were under a wind chill warning yesterday, with those numbers exceeding minus 40 in parts of Montana. Sub-zero temperatures will continue to be an issue today in the plains. In the east and south, possibly dangerous storms could bring snow, sleet, and freezing rain. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem has visited Pope Francis in Rome for talks about the situation in the Holy Land and the Middle East. Vatican News reports Cardinal Pierre Battista Pizzavala spoke to journalists after the meeting, saying they specifically discussed the humanitarian, decision, the humanitarian situation of the Christian community in Gaza and in the Holy Land more generally, and said he remains in touch with the one Catholic parish located in the north of Gaza. He said military operations have moved further south, but it remains an area where there is nothing. There are no houses. There is no water. There is no electricity. There is nothing. It is a situation, he said, of extreme poverty, and there are no institutions present, end quote. Pope Francis has said some have jumped to ugly conclusions over the recent declaration on blessings for people in same-sex relationships and in other irregular relationships. The move last month sparked much debate in the church. In an interview Sunday, the Holy Father said resistance is largely because people do not understand. He said the Lord blesses everyone who is capable of being baptized, that is, every person, He said, quote, but we are to take them by the hand and help them go down that road, not condemn them from the very beginning. And this is the pastoral work of the church, he said. This is very important work for confessors. The Holy Father yesterday addressed members of the Studium Biblicum Franciscanum, telling them that their work is more precious than ever. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. In primo luogo, il fatto che lo studium con la sua biblioteca e il museo 
The first the Pope began is the fact that the studium, with its library and museums, has given and continues to give impetus to important archaeological excavations in various sites, making valuable finds, determining your peculiarity of combining the study of sacred scripture with a stay in the Holy Land places and archaeological research. The Holy Father noted that the members' love for the biblical text is one founded in the same will of St. Francis. For Francis, knowledge of the Word of God and even its study are not matters of mere erudition, but experiences of a sapiential nature, whose purpose in faith is to help people live the gospel better and to make them good, explained the Pope. In occasione del vostro centenario, on the occasion of your centenary, the Pope continued, I urge you not to lose sight of this kind of approach to Scripture. Bringing then his discourse to a close, Pope Francis invited all those present to listen and know better his word, to make it resound in the world in an ever more comprehensible manner, as your discreet and passionate work is more precious than ever. Finally, Pope Francis prayed for the Holy Land where the studium is located. He acknowledged how the current situation of the Holy Land and the peoples who inhabit it involves us and pains us, before asking that we pray and act tirelessly for this tragedy to cease. I am Francesca Merlo. And the wild card round is now in the books in this year's NFL playoffs. The bruise, the bruise. I just combined Bills and cruised. The Bills cruised to a 31-17 to win over the Pittsburgh Steelers to advance. And so Buffalo will now host defending champion Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. The Buccaneers beat the Philadelphia Eagles 32-9 to in Tampa, and they will take on the Lions in Detroit on Sunday afternoon. Man. I was seeing some exciting games. I was seeing there's a story in here, Matt, that says um, so. There's a there's a says town. A lot of people were bruised. Well, no, there's a town called Hell, Michigan. Oh yes, and Hell literally froze over because the Lions won the playoffs. Because the game. Lions won the playoffs. Yes, indeed. Won indeed. in the playoffs. Well, you know, from Dante's perspective. Hell can be a rather icy place anyway. Oh, uh, yeah. I so, imagine so. I'm sure it was someone who never read Dante who came up with that saying. Probably. When hell warms over, I don't know. <laughs> My recommendation is live the kind of life to where you don't have to find out what the temperature is there. Yeah, that's a good good call, Matt. I like that. That is that is our... Matt's, Matt's key advice Practical wisdom from the Sunrise Morning Show. It is the Sunrise Morning Show on EWTN. Thanks for joining us on this Tuesday, January the 16th. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Bethany Miola. She, along with her husband, Dr. Daniel Miola, have a new book out uh, called Life-Giving Wounds, A Catholic Guide to Healing for Adult Children of Divorce or Separation. Bethany, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much, Matt. Great to be with you. And great to have you. And I know that you and Dan have been working in this apostolate uh, to try and help people who have been in these situations, who have grown up with divorce and now are adults, uh, heal. How is this book the fruit of those years of work? Yeah, so um, Dan has been helping to lead retreats for adult children of divorce since 2015. And then we've been doing uh, locally here in Washington, D.C., and then we expanded nationally, nationally starting in 2020. Great time to start anything new, right? Right in the pandemic. <laughs> um, 
Um, but since then, we have been privileged to accompany close to a thousand adult children of divorce in a pretty intensive way through our weekend retreats, our support groups. Um, you know, divorce is part of um, our family's background. Dan is an adult child of divorce. He shares a, a lot of that in his book. So what we put in our book com- comes a lot from the fruit of just meeting all these people who have this shared experience of having their parents split up, you know, whether that was before they were even born or whether they were adults and everything in between. We share a lot of their stories. We share a lot of research. There's a lot of great research out there of the impacts that divorce has on children. Um, We share our own personal stories, how it impacted us um, with Dan coming from a divorced home. So all of that is in our book. We really want it to be something that an adult child of divorce can pick up and find support, encouragement, uh, wherever they are on their pathway of healing, that it can give them that extra little nudge that they know that the Lord is with them in this. Well, ever since I, I ran into you and Dan years and years ago, uh, actually, it might have been pre-pandemic, but not by much. It might have been around the pandemic. I can't even remember. But I've been keenly aware of this tension and the idea of how adult children might think of this. Because, you know, when I'm teaching OCIA classes and we're talking about, like, how uh, the Trinity works and how the relationship between Christ and his church works and how um, all of— creation starts with the marriage and it culminates in the marriage of Christ the bridegroom and Christ his church and I just I think to myself there are people in this room who are like yeah I don't know what any of that stuff's like (laughs) right I don't I don't know any of that stuff yeah I mean our our church language this the Bible's language it's filled with nuptial marital imagery it's filled with family words even you know God our father the church is our mother uh, Mary, our mother. Um, so yes, we find all the time that, you know, for people who have had that horrific experience of losing the love of their parents together, um, and maybe a lot of them have also been abandoned by one parent, by both parents in certain ways, um, it can be really hard to understand what what is the church talking about here. Um, we really advocate for seeing the the language that the church gives us as a tremendous blessing, because it's never going to change, um, and it's never going to be impacted. It's not impacted or broken by our broken family situations. Um, so we can, we can always turn to that. Uh, and we know, you know, as, as spouses ourselves, we're called to image that love of God. Uh, we don't do that perfectly. We do our best. Um, but even for those that have seen a, a kind of a broken image or an anti-image in their lives, um, God's love is, is never ending. His perfect love casts out fear. We can really rest in that. That is a great gift of our faith. It is a great gift of our faith. And, you know, it's, it's fascinating because we, we talk probably more than any of the rest of it about father wounds, quote-unquote, uh, in the Church and the way that an absent or an abusive uh, father can have a massive impact on a family. We talk sometimes about the way that can play out if a mother uh, is— uh, absent or abusive or, or mentally ill or something happens. Uh, we talk about the mother wound. We don't talk much about, about the marriage wound, <laughs> right? Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like we don't talk about that the way that we ought to. And if we do talk about it, we talk about the the impact on the children. But it turns out those children actually grow up and, you know, their past is still their past. So how does this play out differently once someone hits adulthood and is no longer in that, oh, the, the poor children you know, attention stage anymore. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, Research has shown that it's 
often in young adulthood that a child who's from a broken home, that's the time that they really start to process that in a deep way. Um, often that comes from being physically away from the home, you know, maybe going to college or just launching out on their own. Having that physical distance can give an impetus to dive a little bit deeper into what's going on under the surface. Um, and it's often when people get into serious relationships, too, that these things may come up from their past that they may not have even realized, um, you know, as they, they themselves are starting to grow in trust with another person, and maybe that's really difficult. Maybe there are a lot of triggers that are coming up. Um, so in our, in our ministry, it's open to everyone from 18 up till whatever. We've had 70-year-olds, 80-year-olds come and really get a lot out of what we're doing but most of the people self-selected um, are young adults, are in that kind of 18 to 35 uh, range. Because um, that's, that's really when, again, these, these issues kind of come home. Um, but that, it's, a, it's a tricky moment. <laughs> I mean, we, we want to be able to address those wounds, not let them go unhealed, really dive in, dive into the mess, see that Jesus is there with us, and find that healing. Um, so those wounds are not transmitted on to another generation. Yeah, you think about it, and people you know, sometimes parade out statistics like, you know, divorce rates have, you know, either stayed the same and sometimes they're better than they used to be. I'm like, yeah, but nobody's getting married. <laughs> like, So like yep, the only people yeah, that are getting yeah, married so, so, are the people who are like super serious about it because of the, this wound in, in the whole culture, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's the lowest divorce rate recently um, for decades. It's also the lowest marriage rate. Like you said, fewer people are getting married. Um, there's some distinct connections that can be shown between the number of people that come from broken homes, right now that's over half of Americans have seen their parents split up at some point. I mean, that's a huge amount of people. Um, they are statistically less likely to get married, more likely to cohabitate, more likely to have a lot of fears about relationships. I mean, we're really trying to dive in deep, both with our book and our ministry, to address those fears, address those anxieties, um, because they're, they're not, they're, it, there's, there's not a doom here, you know. Um, even though those statistics are scary and intimidating, um, we are a people of faith and a people of hope, and we know that the Lord can enter those places. Um, but we really, we need, we need to be talking about it and not just assume that everyone who comes into adulthood is going to going to know how to do this, how to do the relationship thing, um, how to do the trusting other people thing. Um, you know, when people are wounded, all, all those things we might take for granted are, are that much harder. Well, I don't know anybody that's talking about it in the way that you and uh, Dan are talking about it. The book is called Life-Giving Wounds. It's, it comes out of the apostle that you've been working with for a few years now, Life-Giving Wounds. I mean, you cover stuff that, that nobody's talking about, like adult children feeling guilty that maybe their parents broke up because of them, or like sibling dynamics and other stuff like this. The book is called Life-Giving Wounds, A Catholic Guide to Healing for Adult Children of Divorce and Separation. Bethany Miola, thank you so much for working on this and sharing it with us. Great. Thank you. Have a great day. All right. It's 16 past. We've got headlines next. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. For more than 150 years, the Comboni missionaries have served the poorest and most forgotten people. With our founders and Daniel Comboni as an inspiration, we work for the full development of the human person through evangelization, education, and advocacy. Your donations make a huge impact. 
and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at kombonimissionaries.org. That is kombonimissionaries.org. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. One time somebody said to me, why don't you air these people? And I said, no, because I don't think they're Catholic. He says, by what right do you have to say that? I said, I own the network. (laughs) Mother Angelica Live Classics. Tonight, 8 Eastern on EWTN Television and Radio. 18 past. Here's Anna with headlines. Donald Trump is coming off a commanding win in yesterday's Iowa caucuses. The Latin patriarch of Jerusalem has visited Pope Francis in Rome to talk about the situation in the Holy Land. And the Holy Father recently gave another television interview in which he said some have jumped to what he called ugly conclusions over the recent declaration on blessings. Anna Mitchell, I usually lead the top of the hour with a prayer, but uh, in this book, Life-Giving Wounds, they have a prayer in the back. It's a prayer for those from a broken home. I thought I would just share it because it's a really beautiful prayer and might be helpful to anybody in that situation listening right now. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Eternal Father, you created me in your image and likeness, and you long to hold me always in your loving embrace. Your love has sustained me in my trials and struggles. Each day I will live as a beloved child of God, confident in your divine mercy. I will place in you all my trust and hope, for you lift my gaze from shame, fear, and the pain of division to your unparalleled love for me on the cross. By the power of Christ's great wounds, heal the wounds left in my life by the tragedy of my parents' separation or divorce or family brokenness. Help me love despite the pain. Help me forgive no matter how deep the hurt. Help me to have peace and virtue when old and new wounds arise. Remain with me, Holy Spirit, that I may be a wellspring of healing for others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow. Wow. (laughs) It's quite a prayer. I'm not kidding. I I don't know anybody who's addressing this situation in the Mm -hmm. way that the Miolas are addressing it um, with life-giving wounds. Very cool. Um. And yeah, just a word of encouragement to anybody who's out there who uh, who thinks that they'll always be a little weird inside, as Everclear says, because of whatever happened with the father of yours, or however it may be, that wow. there is hope. There's hope. You managed to quote Everclear. I'm, I'm so impressed. I do want to live beside the ocean. Live beside the sea? Get my black boots and an old suitcase. It's 21 past.
Cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed. It's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. O sacred heart of Jesus, I place my trust in thee. O sacred heart of Jesus, I place my trust in thee. Whatever may befall me, Lord, though dark the hour may be, in all my woes, in all my joys, though naught but grief I see, O sacred heart of Jesus, I place my trust in thee. When those I loved have passed away, and I am sore distressed, O sacred heart of Jesus, I fly to thee for rest. In all my trials, great or small, my confidence shall be, unshaken as I cry, dear Lord, I place my trust in thee. This is my one sweet prayer, dear Lord, my faith, my trust, my love. But most of all, in that last hour, when death points up above, O sweet Savior, may thy face smile on my soul all free. O may I cry with rapturous love, I place my trust in thee. With us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Matthew Bunsen, Vice President and Editorial Director of EWTN News. Good morning, Doc. Good morning. Great to be with you. It's great to have you. And January 16th is the Feast of St. Joseph Vaz, who was canonized in 2014 by Pope Francis. Can you uh, just start off by telling us a little bit about his early life? How did he become a priest? Yeah, well, it, it, it's funny because we think of him as the Apostle of Ceylon, or the, one of the great uh, apostles of Sri Lanka, and yet here was somebody who actually grew up in India, mm. somebody who grew up in what at the time was the Portuguese colony of Goa, and uh, he was born to a devout family of Catholics. So he represents, I think, the, the spread of the Church across uh, the whole of Asia, and in that sense he really is not just an apostle of Sri Lanka, but an apostle of India, and an apostle of the whole of Asia. And he uh, grew up in an area uh, where the faith itself was tiny, uh, and of course it was surrounded in sort of an ocean of Hindus, but his family, uh, his devout parents, brought him up in the faith, and he was called uh, to the, the priesthood, and he eventually studied both humanities uh, with the Jesuits and then theology with the Dominicans. <laughs> so uh, he had a pretty good formation. Yeah. He was actually ordained in 1676. Now, as you mentioned, he was known as the apostle to Sri Lanka. Why did he want to go there in the first place, and then how did he get there? Yeah, well, he worked for 10 years uh, in the Indian missions, and the missions in India itself, and actually founded one of the oratories of uh, St. Philip Neri, um, and seemed to be uh, earning a reputation for immense holiness uh, in India itself. But then he began hearing 
about the suffering of the church in what was then uh, Ceylon, as uh, Sri Lanka was then called, under uh, the Dutch. Now, we always have to remember that uh, parts of whole parts of the world at the time were occupied partly by the Portuguese, by the Spanish, and then, of course, also by the Dutch. And the Dutch were dedicated Calvinists, and the church was being severely persecuted. And he wanted to go where he could proclaim the, the truths of the faith uh, in an area under great persecution. And so he arrived, and uh, the situation, I think, was even worse than he had anticipated, because the, the Dutch Calvinists not only were persecuting Catholics, but they were threatening any priest to arrive, not just with prison, but with outright execution, in other words, with martyrdom. So any undertaking of that order to Ceylon brought with it great dangers, uh, and he was certainly aware of it. And for years, had to wander around Sri Lanka, uh, frequently donning disguises in order to avoid arrest, torture, and death. Wow. Wow. Now, I understand, too, that while he was in Sri Lanka, there were some miraculous occurrences of, of biblical nature, right? Can you tell us about that? Yes. Uh, he uh, was responsible for a miraculous rain uh, that uh, so impressed uh, one of the local kings, a Buddhist king at the time, uh, that, uh, that the king became one of his great patrons. And uh, also, uh, that king's son became an even greater patron. Supposedly, uh, he was able to uh, stop the rain uh, at a point when he was uh, arrested. Uh, he was also saved from an angry mob uh, that was intent on killing him as a Catholic priest, um, also by the miraculous flow of water that stopped everyone in their tracks. Wow. He's on the top of the hill, and the water inexplicably began to flow, and the crowd itself quickly dissipated as they understood that there was something very unusual about this man. But these people wouldn't have known the Bible. They wouldn't have made the, the connection to, like, Moses there, would they? <laughs> uh, unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> well, what would you say were the hallmarks of Father Joseph's ministry there in Sri Lanka? Yeah, the, the, the first was that uh, he understood the importance of preaching and living with the people in their languages. Uh, he learned Singhalese, for example, and was able to preach and to say Mass, and then he developed uh, prayer resources for the locals there. So he was ahead of his time in enculturation. He was also fearless in traveling the country and bringing hope and the sacraments uh, at a time when so many were being persecuted, uh, so many were afraid of the faith. And as a result of his efforts, by the time of his death, I think around 1711, uh, there were upwards of 70,000 Catholics uh, in Ceylon, which is an immense achievement. But you add to that 15 churches, about 400 missions. So the reestablishment of Christianity in Ceylon was his great um, hallmark, his legacy. But so, too, uh, was countering uh, the, the Calvinists at the time. And uh, for that alone, I think he should have been called the, the Apostle of uh, Sri Lanka, yeah. the Apostle of Ceylon. Now, also, Dr. Bunsen, how intense was his devotion to the Blessed Mother, and how did that form him as a priest? Yeah, from a very early time, he was uh, a, a great admirer uh, and a great follower of the Blessed Mother. Uh, so much so that uh, he began wandering uh, at an early time after his ordination barefoot in order to live with the poor, but also to emulate the humility of the Blessed Mother. 
And then uh, he signed a document, uh, a bond, uh, in which he proclaimed himself, as we've seen with other saints in history, uh, a slave of the Blessed Mother, uh, to do her will uh, in order to do more fully Christ's will. In other words, uh, he didn't worship Mary, as is often accused uh, for Catholics of doing, but he saw a way of serving our Lord uh, by listening to his mother. And in that sense, then, he, his devotion to the Blessed Mother, I think, was one of the great inspirations that he took with him to bring Christ to the whole of Asia. Most definitely. We've been talking to Dr. Matthew Bunsen. Thank you so much, Doc. Take care. Have a great day. You do the same, Dr. Bunsen. Thank you very much. And, of course, you can find all of our guests linked at sonrisemorningshow.com. It's also where you can find the podcast, After the Fact, with little markers to help you revisit an interview or share it. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show, it's time for news. Donald Trump is the winner of the Iowa caucuses. NBC News said the former president was the winner just 30 minutes after voters began casting their ballots. The victory is the first step toward a 2024 rematch between Trump and President Biden. Meanwhile, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and former U.N. ambassador and South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley came in second and third, respectively. Trump this week will now head to New Hampshire ahead of that state's January 23rd presidential primary. Plunging temperatures are gripping much of the nation with winter weather responsible for at least six deaths. Michael Kastner reports. Four of those were in Oregon, while a snowmobiler in Utah was killed over the weekend and a Wyoming skier was killed by an avalanche. Around 150 million people were under a wind chill warning Monday, with those numbers exceeding minus 40 in parts of Montana. Sub-zero temperatures will continue to be an issue today in the plains. In the east and south, possibly dangerous storms could bring snow, sleet, and freezing rain. In Portland, Oregon, I'm Michael Kastner. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem visited Pope Francis in Rome this week to talk about the situation in the Holy Land in the Middle East. Vatican News reports Cardinal Pierre Battista Pizzaballo spoke to journalists after the meeting, saying they specifically discussed the humanitarian situation of the Christian community in Gaza and the Holy Land more generally. He said he does remain in touch with the Catholic parish in the north of Gaza, the only Catholic parish in Gaza, saying, quote, military operations have moved further south, but it remains an area where there is nothing. There are no houses. There is no water. There is no electricity. There is nothing. It is a situation of extreme poverty, he said, and there are no institutions present, end quote. Pope Francis decried the scourge of war in an interview on Sunday. The Holy Father said, it's true that making peace is risky, but war is riskier. He said that the military escalation scares me because, quote, this advancing of military steps in the world makes one wonder how we will end up with atomic weapons now, which destroy everything. How will we end up like Noah's Ark? This frightens me. The capacity for self-destruction that humanity has today. He was also asked about the recent declaration from the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith on blessings, saying some have jumped to ugly conclusions over it. The move last month sparked much debate in the church. And in that interview, the Holy Father said resistance is largely because people do not understand. He said the Lord blesses everyone who is capable of being baptized. That is every person. 
The Holy Father has offered his condolences and prayers in the wake of a deadly mudslide. From Vatican Radio, Joseph Tullock reports. Pope Francis has offered his quote, Well, it appears that one is not going to work, so we will move on. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin is now out of the hospital and recovering. The Pentagon has said he was released from Walter Reed National Military Medical Center yesterday. Austin was admitted to the hospital two weeks ago due to complications from prostate cancer surgery. He will work remotely for a period of time while having full access, the Pentagon says, to secure communications capabilities. The Pentagon did not disclose that Austin had been hospitalized until days after he had been admitted. Boeing says they're taking a hard look at quality control after a door plug blew open on an Alaska Airlines flight. Brian Shook has more. The company is planning additional inspections for its 737 MAX planes. In an email to employees, CEO of Boeing's commercial airplanes division, Stan Deal, said he'll bring in an outside party to make an assessment on the quality management system. He also wrote that Boeing has been trying to improve its layers of protection in recent years, but the recent incident makes it clear the manufacturer is not where we need to be. I'm Brian Shook. And a new report says the world's five richest men have more than doubled their wealth since 2020. That's according to the nonprofit Oxfam, with the combined wealth of the elite group that includes Tesla CEO Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, Warren Buffett, and others. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. I'm Father Timothy Shear, and these are Biblical Impressions. We all have a list of our favorite books. The church had its library of favorite books, too. The oldest substantial books of the New Testament come to us from the third century of our era. They show that the early church did not possess the New Testament as a single volume, as we have it today, but as a collection of books. Two fascinating examples from the church's early library of books are more than 200 pages long. One that we now call Papyrus 46 contains the letters of Paul, including Hebrews, listed after Romans. Papyrus 45 contains all four Gospels and the Acts of the Apostles. The oldest book that is almost entirely intact is a book from about the year 300 containing 72 pages that includes, in its cover, First and Second Peter and the Letter of Jude. So when we think of our libraries at home, we might take another look at the Bible and appreciate the fact that that's a library, too, with a very important message for all of us. 
For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Timothy Shear. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Steve Ray from CatholicConvert.com. And we've got an appropriate topic for today. As some of you are just waking up, we're going to talk about dreams in the Bible. Steve, good morning. Good morning. Good good morning to you, Matt. Yes, dreams and visions in the Bible. So and we're going to make very... the distinction in a second. I can just tell you that I hope my dreams don't mean much because some of them are real weird. Uh, but yeah, me uh, too. in the Bible... Uh, dreams very often have deep significance. Let's first of all talk about dreams, and then we'll go to visions and make that distinction. Okay. Well, dreams, the word dreams is used 124 times in the Bible. And it's really interesting, Matt, that out of those, 34% are in the book of Genesis alone. And 28% are in the story of Joseph, who was an interpreter of dreams. And that that's really incredible that the first book of the Bible has more than a third of all the mentions of dreams and God used dreams to communicate to the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were, they received dreams, all three of them. So you've got dreams. Uh, you've also got visions and it doesn't surprise me when you told me the, in the notes, the three places that these visions uh, <laughs> show up, the first two especially don't surprise me. Yep. Ezekiel and Daniel are full of visions. And th- th- that's just those are both prophetic books looking for the future. But what's what is kind of surprising to most people is the book of Acts is loaded with the word vision, uh, visions and dreams, because th- this is not something that stopped in the Old Testament. This is something very much. Paul was told to go over to Europe in a dream, uh, in a vision. There's so many different visions. Cornelius had a vision to come tell Peter to come and baptize us Gentiles. So the whole, the whole book of the Bible is filled with dreams and visions, and it's one of the ways supernatural means that God uh, communicates with men and women. So I uh, recently had a guy on the journey home who, um, and I can't wait to share his story. He uh, was all set with a football scholarship to a Division One school, and that was going to be his whole life. He was going to be, this is his whole world. And someone asked him a question that unsettled him. And <laughs> uh, he went to bed that night, had a dream about football and the seminary and a whole bunch of other things, and had another weird dream the second night in a row. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to just give this seminary thing a try. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, I know a lot of people who have had some some sort of dream where, you know, you can't, you know, go to the Vatican and verify this stuff every time, but something happens right. and it, it right. you know, I feel like God is still working in this way. I, you know, I just say this real quick that my wife and I have had dreams and some of the most important events in our life that that directed our whole life came from a dream. My wife had one back in 1982 that sent us to to Switzerland studying with Dr. Schaefer, Francis Labrie. It was a tremendous, unbelievable uh, dream she had and all the details and it all played out in it that really shaped our whole early Christian life. And I had a, a dream at night that I was supposed to make movies called the footprints of God. And who would have ever dreamed? I never even had any experience of video, but I woke up that night and said to my wife, we've got to make movies. And next thing you know, we have them all made 20 years later. And so dreams still can, 
can God can use them today. Now, most dreams, like you said, are nonsense and quickly forgotten. But there are times where a dream is very vivid. Those are just two that we've had. I, we've had others and uh, very vivid. And we should not look for dreams and not expect God to speak to us that way. But if something is really dramatic, like your friend that uh, talked about going to seminary, then we should pay attention. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, uh, too. Uh, that you shouldn't get too caught up in this stuff either because there's like whole new age industries that are all about dream interpretation. Like you can get really wacky if you don't take this the right way. But I want to talk about, you mentioned St. Joseph is a dreamer in the Bible. And I want to ask you, uh, you mean St. Joseph's plural? St. Joseph. Oh, right. But like with uh, just both, I'm sorry. I said St. I should have said Joseph's there's a Joseph in the Old Testament, and then there's a Saint Joseph yes. in the New Testament. They both dream. Yes, yes, that's a, that's the incredible thing. And got, guess where Joseph in the New Testament got his name? It got his name from Joseph in the Old Testament. And both of them had dreams. In fact, it's interesting to know that Mary, the um, the angel, appeared to Mary. It doesn't say in a vision or dream. It just an angel appeared to Mary, came to her. Um, but it says that. So, so one time the angel came to Mary, but the angel came to Joseph four times. Once to say it was okay to marry, to marry Mary. These he all came in dreams. Second, he was to flee from Egypt. Third, he could return now from Egypt. And fourth time, the angel had came in a dream and said, go back to Nazareth. So four times, angels gave dreams to Joseph. And one of them has said, as Joseph considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, it's okay to take Mary as your wife. And the, and the Magi also, they, they had a dream. It says a dream warned them, don't go back through Jerusalem because they're just, you know, go another way. So dreams in the New Testament are just as prevalent as they are in the Old Testament. So I want to go back because, uh, I mean, you've got a ton of material here. And I was trying to like figure out how do you narrow it down and, and pick <laughs> the, the things that are most fascinating. I, you talked about Ezekiel and Daniel being loaded with visions. And then you talked about the book of Acts, right? And we wouldn't expect that to be loaded with visions unless we understood Peter's sermon at Pentecost and who he quotes from in the prophet Joel. It sort of sets up that, hey, this book might have some visions and dreams in it. Yes, that's the whole point there in the book of Acts. Even at the day of Pentecost, it's it's explaining how the church is going to start now. And it says, in these last days shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. So in other words, this is something that's part of the new covenant. This is something God is going to use. And boy, did he ever do it. When you book, read through the book of Acts, so many of the decisions and the uh, events were started by dreams that people had or visions from God. So this is something, even on the day of Pentecost, he's quoting the prophet Joel from the Old Testament, but saying these that prophecy of Joel about visions and dreams is for this day, the New Testament, under the at Pentecost. And then when it comes to people dreaming dreams and having visions. Uh, I think it's an interesting, and this is a great way to sort of wrap it all up, because the last book of the entire Bible is basically just one full-feature movie-length vision, <laughs> it right? Is. 
<laughs> yes. It starts with Revelation 1.1, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, revelation is going to be another word for vision or dream because it's something that's revealed, supernatural revelation, which God gave to his servants that must soon take place. And then it gives it in chapter nine as an example. I saw the horses in my vision and those who rode them. So the whole book of Revelation is a is a vision that God gave to John while he was out exiled on the island of Patmos, which is, by the way, we're taking a cruise there um, in October. But the, the, the whole book of Revelation ends with a huge vision. Revelation It's called apocalyptic um, book. All I'm going to say to you is if you're headed to the island of Patmos, Steve Ray, be sure to journal everything that happens to you, just in case. <laughs> just in case. it. I was going to say, just the last thing to put a cap on this is that, you know, when it comes to these visions the in the scriptures, and we've even had some of them uh, in the age of the church uh, that have been extraordinary, uh, you know, I think of Our Lady of Guadalupe, for example, but that doesn't mean that every vision and every dream that everybody has is for everybody, so we got to be careful no. with it <laughs> and not just right. say, hey, well, God told me that you're supposed to do X, right, because we got to be careful about such things, but God does, does still work in these ways. He does. And I think probably there are times where it's good to find a spiritual director, a good priest or older brother or sister in the Lord and say that I had this dream or I've had this communication. What do you think? Because um, it's it's always good to get a second opinion on some things like that. Yeah, because sometimes God's trying to say something to you in that moment. And sometimes you yep. shouldn't have shouldn't have eaten all those buffalo wings. And remember Samuel, we've had in the readings at Mass, Samuel, Samuel, who, well, here I am, Lord. It was in exactly. the middle of the night. He's calling, calling in the night. Yeah, there, yeah. Very cool. Well, Steve Ray, we've got you linked at sunrisemorningshow.com, so pe- people can check out the resources at catholicconvert.com. We talked a lot about Genesis today. You can check out Steve's work on Genesis there. Have a good one. We'll, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Matt. All right, Chris McGregor joins us next. It's 14 minutes before the hour. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare. 844-334-3245. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. 
Communities in Southern California gather to celebrate the beauty and dignity of every human life. EWTN takes you to San Francisco for live coverage of the Walk for Life West Coast, Saturday, January 20th at 2.30 p.m. Eastern. Then, don't miss inspiring speakers and music during One Life LA at 5 p.m. Eastern. The pro-life festivities begin Saturday, January 20th at 2.30 p.m. Eastern on EWTN-TV and radio. 12 Till, here's Anna with headlines. Donald Trump is the winner of the Iowa caucuses. The race was actually called just 30 minutes after voters began casting their ballots. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem has visited Pope Francis in Rome for talks about the situation in the Holy Land and in the Middle East. And Pope Francis on Sunday gave an interview to Italian television saying... Some have jumped to ugly conclusions over the recent declaration on blessings. You can hear news at the top and bottom of each hour right here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Chris McGregor from DiscerningHearts.com. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Anna. How are you doing? I am frigid. I am so cold. I'm always bundled up under a blanket with my coat and scarf on, but I'd like really need it. I'm in multiple layers. How about you? <laughs> well, let's see. It's a balmy six below zero today <laughs> compared to this weekend where it was minus 22 with wind chills Ooh, down to minus wow. 45. Yeah. Things warming up over there in Nebraska, huh? It is because <laughs> I don't want to be that cold Christian. Oh, so man. you and I this morning are trying to, you know, light our little lights here, our little labs to, to kind of get out there today. Yeah, this hmm. week's selection from the Office of Reading, so fitting, uh, taken from a homily from St. John Chrysostom on the Acts of the Apostles. And it's really as if he were, you know, priest preaching today to all of us who are freezing in the pews, he says, nothing is colder. You think it's cold now, Chris? <laughs> nothing is colder than a Christian who does not care for the salvation of others. Whew. How about that? He's really, he's. this is a homily, and he is kind of uh, doing a little, I, I don't want to say pounding, but maybe that is. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he gave that with some uh, cold air coming, some breath coming out and a little steam because it was probably cold where he was. But mm. um, he's saying this is nothing. If you are the, a Christian who does not care for the salvation of others, there's nothing colder. He's this, underscoring the imperative, isn't he? This is such a convicting sermon, Chris. Mm -hmm. I mean, basically he's saying... If you're just a good person, I mean, he brings up some of the like the 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 foolish virgin virgins in in the parable, for instance. If you're just a good Christ person and not actually shining the light of Christ to others, bringing people to Christ, caring about their salvation, um, it's not that you're hiding your light under a bushel basket. It's that you don't have light at all. You're just not a Christian. That's right. That's right. And he would be saying that you're insulting God. Yeah. If you don't think you can do it. And he said, if you can just, you know, live a Christ-like life, but you have to care for others. And even he uses that that beautiful quote. He said, you cannot plead poverty here for the poor widow who put in two copper coins will be your accuser. Hmm. Can you imagine that? He's 
He dismisses every excuse such as poverty, lowliness of birth, lack of education, or even your infirmity as inadequate, right, Anna, for Christians to abstain from fulfilling their role in helping, benefiting their neighbors, yeah, reaching out to them, caring for them, loving them, and being a Christian that will be a light that will draw them. He said, you have no excuses. No excuses. And and he keeps bringing this up as, as uh, selfishness, that if you are not sharing the gospel, you are not sharing Christ with others, you are thinking only of yourself, only of your own salvation. He says, men who are only interested in themselves are like the forest trees, or rather they are not even so good. In fact, they are fit only for fire, while the forest timber can be used for building houses and palisades. Such are the foolish virgins of the parable, chaste indeed and decent and modest, but are of no profit to anyone. They are rejected. Such are they who do not nourish Christ. Observe that none of these are charged with particular sins of their own, with fornication, for instance, or with perjury. In short, with no sin, that of being without use to another. He goes on to talk about the man who buried his talent. He didn't do anything bad, but mm-hmm. he also didn't do anything good. That's exactly right. He said he didn't he didn't have a sin that was spoken of except that he did nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, he he claimed to be the good servant, but he wasn't because he didn't go out. He didn't take care of the neighbor. He didn't bring that light, that warmth of faith to others. And that that faith is manifested by fruitfulness, right? That that beautiful passage that you had about the trees. Mm-hmm. You can say that you could you're in a forest and the trees are nice and tall and you can look at them and say they're beautiful, but they're not worthless because they they can't feed you. They, they uh, but that's not as bad as I mean at least you can chop them down and make firewood out of them and use them to warm you. The thing about a Christian who does nothing, there's no benefit. Mm-hmm. Then you're not really a Christian. In the essence, you're you are not being you don't have a, an authentic, uh, authentic faith or a faith that has integrity. You are what you appear to be. It's just a moniker that you wear, a T-shirt that you wear. Yeah, absolutely. Because basically what this all comes down to is nature. Nature does what, it, you know, when it, when you think of anything, the it's it's the natural progression of the Christian, that when you are Christian, your nature is to shine Christ. So if you're not shining Christ, it's it's just that you're not a Christian because you're not doing what Christians naturally do. Exactly. And he says, he uses the term, you're insulting God several times here. Yeah. If you say that I can't, that it's not possible. And it's not necessarily you have to be the street preacher, right? Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily have to have a, a program on the radio. It's taking care of your neighbor, doing what you can where you're at, where he has placed you, that you need to be uh, that light bearer. He, he'll say, it is not possible for the light of a Christian to be hid. It is not possible for a lamp so conspicuous as that it can be concealed. 
He's emphasizing the unavoidable visibility and impact of a genuine Christian life. And he uses that analogy of light and darkness to convey the living, that living according to the Christian principles that naturally influences and benefits others. You just experience it. You just know it when you encounter it, when it's authentic. And that's what he's asking all of us. You can't just say, I'm a Christian. But if it doesn't manifest itself in that fruitfulness that cares for the other enough to be there and present for them, then it's it's nothing. But St. John Chrysostom, you don't know my situation. I can't, Mm. you know, and and he says, do not tell me that it is impossible. (laughs) It is the contrary that is impossible. Mm -hmm. Do not insult God. If we once get our own affairs right, the other will certainly follow as a natural and necessary consequence. It is not possible for the light of a Christian to be hid. Mm -hmm. Man, go read this sermon. It'll warm you up for sure. We've been talking to Chris McGregor. Chris, thank you so much. Thank you, Anna. Have a uh, warm day. Thank you. You too. (laughs) May God bless you and keep you.